0: Welcome to the Wilderness Outreach ManCast. My name's John, and I'm with my brothers Peter, Michael, Daniel, Andrew, and Robert. And uh, we're coming to you live from we won't tell you where because we don't want the Chinese to send their robot out to get us, right, men? So anyway, ManCast is your weekly adventures into the wild of masculine spirituality where we will be hunting for the meaning of manhood tracking down the intersection of faith and science, uncovering true leadership, and searching for the deep meaning of the history of God's created universe. So strap on your hiking boots and backpack, grab your compass and map, and let's get rolling. Let's do it. Start with evening prayer led by our brother, Robert Wierzewski.
1: God, come to my assistance. Lord, make haste to help me. Glory to the Father, and to the Son, and to the Holy Spirit, as it was in the beginning, is now, and will be forever. Amen. Alleluia. I cried to you, Lord, and you healed me. I will praise you forever. I will praise you, Lord, who have rescued me, and have not let my enemies rejoice over me.
2: O Lord, I cried to you for help and you, my God, have healed me. O Lord, you have raised my soul from the dead, restored me to life from those who sink into the grave.
3: Daniel. Sing psalms to the Lord, you who love him. Give thanks to his holy name. His anger lasts a moment. His favor through life. At night there are tears, but joy comes with dawn.
0: I said to myself, in my good fortune, nothing will ever disturb me. Your favor had set me on a mountain fastness. Then you hid your face, and I was put to confusion.
4: To you, Lord, I cried. To my God, I made appeal. What profit would my death be, my going to the grave? Can dust give you praise or proclaim your truth?
5: The Lord listened and had pity. The Lord came to my help. For me, you have changed my mourning into dancing. You ruined my sackcloth and clothing with joy, so my soul sings psalms to you unceasingly. O Lord my God, I thank you forever.
1: Glory to the Father, and to the Son, and to the Holy Spirit as it was in the beginning, is now, and will be forever. Amen. I cried to you, Lord, and you healed me. I will praise you forever. The one who is sinless in the eyes of God is blessed indeed. Happy the man whose offense is forgiven, whose sin is remitted. O happy the man to whom the Lord imputes no guilt, and whose spirit is no guile.
2: I kept it secret, and my frame was wasted. I groaned all the day long, for night and day your hand was heavy upon me. Indeed, my strength was dried up, as by the summer's heat.
3: Michael, can you take that?
0: I'll take it, Dan. Thanks. But now I have acknowledged my sins, my guilt I did not hide. I said, I will confess my offense to the Lord. And you, Lord, have forgiven the guilt of my sin.
4: So every good man pray to you in the time of need. The floods of water may reach high, but him they shall not reach. You are my hiding place, O Lord. You save me from distress. You surround me with cries of deliverance.
5: I will instruct you and teach you the way you should go. I will give you counsel with my eye upon you.
1: Be not like horse and mule, unintelligent, needing bridle and bit, else they will not approach you. Many sorrows has the wicked, but he who trusts in the Lord, loving
2: mercy surrounds him. Rejoice, rejoice in the Lord. Exalt, you just. O come, ring out your joy. All you upright of heart.
3: Glory to the Father, and to the Son, and to the Holy Spirit, as it was in the beginning, is now, and will be forever. Amen.
1: The one who is sinless in the eyes of God is blessed indeed. The Father has given Christ all power, honor, and kingship. All people will obey him. We praise you, the Lord God Almighty, who is and who was. You have assumed your great power. You have begun your reign.
0: The nations have raged in anger, but then came your day of wrath and the moment to judge the dead, the time to reward your servants, the
4: prophets, and the holy ones who revere you, the great and small alike. Now have salvation and power come, the reign of our God and the authority of his anointed one for the accuser of our brothers is cast out who night and day accused them before god
5: they defeated him
4: by the blood of the lamb and by the word of their
5: testimony love for life did not deter them from death so rejoice you heavens and you that dwell with there with
1: glory to the father and to the son and to the holy spirit as it was in the beginning, is now, and will be forever. Amen. The Father has given Christ all power, honor, and kingship. All people will obey him.
2: There is cause for rejoicing here. You may for a time have to suffer the distress of many trials, but this is so that your faith, which is more precious than the passing splendor of fire-tried gold, may by its genuineness lead to praise, glory, and honor when Jesus Christ appears. Although you have never seen him, you love him, and without seeing, you now believe in him. And rejoice with inexpressible joy, touched with glory, because you are achieving faith's goal, your salvation. The Lord has given us food bread of the finest wheat.
3: The Lord has given us food, bread of the finest wheat.
2: Honey from the rock to our hearts content. And bread, bread of, of finest the finest wheat. wheat. Glory to the Father and to the Son and to the Holy Spirit.
0: The, the Lord, Lord has given,
2: given us food,
3: food, bread of the finest, finest wheat. wheat.
1: God has cast down the mighty from their thrones, and has lifted up the lowly. My soul proclaims the greatness of the Lord. My spirit rejoices in God my Savior, for he has looked with favor on his lowly servant.
2: From this day all generations will call me blessed. The Almighty has done great things for me, and holy is
0: his name.
1: the promise he made to our fathers, to Abraham and his children forever.
2: Glory to the Father, and to the Son, and to the Holy Spirit, as it was in the beginning, is now, and will be forever. Amen.
1: God has cast down the mighty from their thrones, and has lifted up the lowly. Our hope is in God, who gives us help. Let us call upon him and say, Look kindly on your children, Lord. Lord our God, you made an eternal covenant with your people.
2: Keep us ever mindful of your mighty deeds. Let your ordained ministers grow
1: toward perfect love.
3: And preserve your faithful people in unity by the bond of peace. Be
1: with us in our work of building the earthly city.
0: That in building we may not labor in vain.
1: Send workers into your vineyard.
4: And glorify your name among the nations.
1: Welcome into the company of your saints, our relatives and benefactors who have died.
5: And we share their happiness one day.
1: Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily, daily bread. bread. And forgive us our our trespasses, trespasses, as we forgive those who trespass against us, us. and lead us not not into temptation, but deliver us from from evil. Father, you illumine the night and bring the dawn to scatter darkness. Let us pass this night in safety, free from Satan's power, and rise when morning comes to give you thanks and praise. We ask this through our Lord Jesus Christ, your Son, who lives and reigns with you in the Holy Spirit. God, forever and ever. Amen. May the Lord bless us, protect us from all evil, bring us to everlasting life.
3: Amen. Amen.
0: So welcome, brothers, and thank you for coming back. So uh, this is part three of the Theology of Masculine Spirituality. And tonight, uh, so back in October, I think it was October 10th, if you look up some of our old... Uh, man cast you'll find a uh a, the our first episode on the theology of masculine spirituality which was called the hunt for masculine spirituality a story runs through it And it was kind of a blow by blow story of uh this journey of wilderness outreach and the uh, the discovery of what is manhood right and uh uh, and then last week we kind of talked about the philosophy as the manservant of theology. And I was kind of hoping that Dan Boyden would be joining us tonight because I kind of picked on him last week. And uh, so I don't know if he <laughs> heard that or not. But I was talking about the uh, the uh, the normal distribution and him being a golfer, right? Because I know he's a pretty good golfer, and he can probably I know he can outdrive Father uh, Jonathan Wilson by a long shot. So and pro- probably he's got a great short game too better than father wilson's but anyway uh, (laughs) so so, uh but any anyway uh but last week then we we talked about uh uh, the philosophy is the manservant of theology and that whole concept that uh that philosophy which you can say that the study of philosophy is everything from like logic to physics, to mathematics, to engineering, to biology, right? So that's kind of the philosophy mindset. But it serves theology, and this is the great thing about being Catholic. We really believe in this melding together of of science and faith. And uh, even as long ago as Augustine, right, he was kind of saying that if— if the science is saying the way you're interpreting scripture is, is incorrect, then it probably is. You need to move on and figure something else out. So he was a uh, a real proponent of the scientific way of thinking as was uh, one of our greatest saints, uh, 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 St. Saint Thomas Aquinas, right? He was really big into that. So as well as, as his mentor, Dominic, but uh, so tonight we're going to continue that journey and kind of dig into the science a little bit. I think, let me see here. Let's, ha- let's see how we can pop this thing up here. Ah, oh, here we go. So we're going to, for those of you who are watching this with us now, now since I'm going to have to get my, my cheater glasses on, so I can see my brothers cause they became these small icons. But so we're going to really get into this, uh, the idea of the science of manhood and womanhood. So one of the things that, is really been helpful for the journey of the uh, wilderness outreach and discovering, uh, the theology of masculine spirituality, I'd say it's challenge. So there's been several times when, uh, during this journey that, uh, we've kind of suggested an idea of how science is describing, uh, let's so say the telos of, of, uh, the, the male creature and the telos of the female creature and uh somebody will speak up who's got a good scientific mind and say i don't think that's correct or will argue about it right and that that helps purify this whole theology of masculine spirituality good example there was a young man who uh was from indiana was a, i think he's a priest now actually but uh, uh we got talking about um uh, uh genetic diversity and how uh the uh how the how uh different types of things uh, can pass through from one generation to the next. And he really said something. He challenged me on something and I went back and studied it and he was right, but it allowed, allowed me to kind of like purify this idea of, well, how does, on a genetic level, how, how are traits and tendencies pass from one generation to the next? And we'll kind of, we'll talk a l- about that a little bit tonight. And uh, so we're going to, going to slide to that next slide. So let's get into the whole idea of genetics then let's start down down on let's say the uh uh the the uh i want to say the subatomic level but the molecular level right and what's going on in the let's say the differences between man and woman so vice found it so interesting that you know that y chromosome right so here we are here here we are sitting here, six men, and that Y chromosome that each one of us has in our every every ba- every cell of our bodies came from. You know, it's an ancient traveler, isn't it? I mean, think about that. It came from our fathers, and it came from our grandfathers to our fathers, our great grandfathers <laughs> to the fathers, all the way back in time. That Y chromosome that's in our cells came from our ancient 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 great 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 grandfathers and before them that's pretty pretty crazy it's pretty crazy the way that works and uh, so starting out right on that molecular level all of a sudden there's this incredible difference because then at the same time here is the woman carrying the, the the two x chromosomes right and so we as male have a y chromosome and an x chromosome and then and then uh, our complementary partners in this human adventure that we're on are a lot our wives have you know x chromosomes that come from you know grandmother to and from their father right so it's kind of interesting the father passes both the x and the y chromosome on to our offspring and then and then our wife always with an X chromosome in that process. So it's, it's amazing how asymmetrical that is, right? It's already, we have difference on a genetic level. And as I'm going around this, you know, if, if jump in there and like challenge or discussion and that, I love this quote. Uh, it's, it's by Huntington F. Willard, who was a, uh, the head of genome uh, science at Duke. But where he basically says, all told, men and women differ as much as 2% of their entire genetic inheritance, greater than the hereditary gap between humankind and its closest relative, the chimpanzee. In essence, there is not one human genome, but two, male and female. So pretty profound difference there coming right out from the you know again that molecular level of humanity and uh how how different we actually are and i believe it said that the because of that y chromosome and the difference that we're we are in a sense genetically closer to the male chimpanzee than we are to our wives and the women in our lives that's pretty profound. Now, a lot of times in, in um, seminars I give that have both men and women in it, you know, I look at the ladies and I say, <laughs> you already knew that, didn't you? <laughs> so isn't, isn't that the, the, the what, what a, that's it's profound stuff, you know, how different that can be. So if we kind of look at that, um, you know, what's kind of summarizing that genetics of manhood so we have the y chromosome male male only passed from generation to generation we also have that on that molecular level the xy chromosome relationship and uh recently and every once in a while you'll hear this and uh let's have a show of hands out there who's heard about genetic adam and eve show of hands Peter has. Michael. So ha- have you not heard about that, Bob? Andrew? No, I haven't.
1: No, right. I, haven't either.
0: I know Dan has because I pummeled, it, p- pummeled him with it before. <laughs> so, But but anyway, what's interesting is that modern genetic science has actually determined that there is one male and one female ancestor for every human on the face of the earth today. And that's and, and it's led to a lot of profound uh thinking about that, right? This is kind of like the Big Bang again, right? So, like the Big Bang when it when it came up, and, and Monsignor Lamatre discovered that Einstein's theory of relativity showed that there was a beginning of space and time in the universe. That's that was so profound because it's like there was one other there was only one other system of thought in the history of mankind that said that everything came out of nothing that at one one point in time and it was the it was the judeo-christian creation story so it's kind of like wow so the big bang was kind of one of those things it was like and scientists <laughs> hated it because it sort of proved that the christian judeo Creation story had some merit to it. So these problematic people that believe in God, right? Well, this is the same thing with the the genetic Adam and Eve. There's actually proven now that there is one, only, only one woman who who's genetic, who everybody on the face of the earth. She's like our great grandmother, right? Everybody. There's not a person alive today that does not have the same and same common woman ancestor. And at the same time, there's a similar man, male ancestor. What's kind of interesting about that, they've kind of pinpointed that Eve probably lived about 100,000 years ago, Adam somewhere between 125,000 and 250,000 years ago. And so, one might say, well, gee, did they live at the same time? Now, For some of our brothers, there's a lot of argument going on about this right now. There's some interesting, there's an organization by the name of BioLogos that's involved in this. Uh, There's another man who's a uh, molecular genetic scientist out of, uh, I think it's called, uh, what's the, is it, uh, Washington University in uh, St. Louis. His name is Joshua Swamidoss. And uh, there's the Discovery Institute's working on it. And there's a guy by the name of Hugh Ross who has the Reason to Believe Institute. And then there's an organization of Catholic scientists that are aware of this X, Y, this genetic Adam and Eve. And so and then and then and there's also there's the there's a difference here. What's showing up is we're seeing this this problem between I'm going to call it a problem, but an argument between what we would say are. Christians who believe that the earth is only 6,000 years old and Christians who can believe that, well, maybe the earth is, or the universe is 10 billion years old. Right. So there's within all these groups of people, they're kind of, kind of trying to figure out, well, how does the Adam and Eve story fit into the Bible? And uh, so anyway, it's great. It's, it's, it's a, a great thing. And, and uh you can and we're we're going to get into this a little bit later like in the next uh here maybe next week or the week after we're going to get into the biblical foundation of of masculine spirituality and the and the feminine genius but we'll kind of talk about that because it's possible from a catholic perspective that actually adam could have lived thousands of years before eve right because in Genesis 2, it's Adam, the, the male creature was made first, right? So it's, it's, uh, we'll kind of talk about that, how that may have happened. The other thing that's going on in the genetic level that makes the man different is there's this, there's this thing called male mutation prevalence. And if you look at, so for instance, one of the theories about humanity, how we've come out of Africa about 80,000 years ago and populated the, the globe, probably at that point in time, all of our ancestors had dark skin, brown eyes, and brown hair. Pretty good chance that that was the case, right? And all of a sudden you go from 80,000 years ago to 10,000 years ago and you go to Ireland and all of a sudden some of our ancestors of those, or some of those, that progeny of those ancient people that came out of Africa have red hair and green eyes, you know, and why is that? It's because the genetic mutation, you that micro evolution, you might call it, I think that's a good Catholic term for it, but how did those mutations occur in general. So the human population, as as we've gone through this microevolution in humanity, we've changed colors of skin, eyes, hair, and they, it's been determined that about 80% of the mutations that occur on the genome come from the male, the male creature. Again, this points to the this odd different telos of the of the male body we are different from the from our and and one of the things to think about is why is that i'm going to throw that question out there anybody want to take a shot at why why that would be why would why would most of these come from our male ancestors as opposed to the female ancestors
3: Is it because we possess both
0: chromosomes? Could be a little bit of that, but the Y chromosome is very, very, very small in comparison with the X chromosome. So that was, that was actually an argument that I had, I thought that it was carried by the Y chromosome, but that's, that's exactly the point that the young man Indiana, who's now a priest pointed out to me was incorrect. <laughs> I mean, it, is
5: it a lot of it has to do with the idea that they're the ones that are going out and I mean, just the, the ability to change and adapt and, and explore. And so they're most likely to go out and, and be
0: subject to different environmental uh, conditions. Well, that's, that's, yeah, that's a good example. And uh, think, think, and and that could be a, a good part of it too, but think about the structure of our bodies. Like where is our DNA being carried and where is the woman's DNA being carried?
3: Ours is external, hers is internal.
0: Right, so <laughs> a, lot, a lot of these genetic mutations are coming because of the exterior forces, right? In nature, like whether it's, it's cosmic radiation or anything like that, it's intense sunlight or cold or whatever, is actually because of the theology of a man's body of where we carry our genetic material it's being affected by the environment much more easily than, than, the, uh, than the woman's. Which has led me, led me to kind of think there's a moral of this story. And I think if we, we're going to think about this a little bit, that the male creature is more affected by environmental changes than the woman creature is, the woman human creature. And if you look around the world today, it sort of makes sense, I think. Like what's happened with a lot of our brothers that are just hanging out in the basement playing video games, right? They can't even get out of the house to go get a job. That seems to be a kind of a disease that the male creature has because the effect of the environment on him.
1: Well, I wonder if in some ways, too, that's if we're talking sort of external and internal, we're going to see the effects of the environment more externally on men. And for women, are they affected by the environment? But it's all it's more internal. It's more like what's the thought approach on the inside? And we may not even see that. And so there may be some changes, but I think it's a lot easier to see for the men. Like, yeah, the environment is there's a physical. I can see a before and after. Um, I'm just kind of throwing that out there, just speculating as, as we talk.
0: You no, know, I, th- I think that's right. I think so. It, but, it, yeah, it relates to this, the, the human male creature, that difference here, I think. Because, yeah, I think the the, the environment does affect, uh, you know, the, our, our female uh, uh, partners in this whole uh, process that we're going through. It just affects us differently, maybe at different rates and, and not maybe not as drastically or something yeah yeah so that kind of brings us to some idea about some brain differences between the two of us creatures right and uh so there's some really interesting stuff about so we're going to move up a level to the to the brain structure and uh so if we look at the the female corpus callosum, which is that membrane that connects the two hemispheres. In women, it tends to be about 50% thicker than what ours is. Which means that the female brain can more efficiently process between the two hemispheres than we do as men. So that uh, that our processing in the brain tends to run more laterally up and down either side of the, the uh, on either the left hemisphere or the right hemisphere. And whereas the female brain communicates back and forth much more readily. Hmm. You could say that this is, could be one of the reasons that women are much Better at multitasking. And yeah, since- I mean, it's
1: the classic uh, men are like waffles, women are like spaghetti analogy. <laughs> <and the, laughs> um, oh, here, you know, here we go. Yeah, the <laughs> compartments and you know the, the, like if you think of a waffle and the, there's little compartments for each thing whether it's the work box, the relaxing box, like an empty box and the spaghetti's all in, you know integrated and connected together. So, I've always found that helpful cuz yeah, there's switching tasks is just a lot different between It the is.
5: And- yeah. Yeah, I think the um this idea uh, well, I mean there's well there's a lot to be said for the fallacy of multitasking, but they I mean they've done this study and I I guess a similar study this would be they talk about how they've studied eye, women's eye movements and men's eye movements in regards to looking at screens. And when a guy goes to a webpage, he's pretty much focused, like I'm gonna go here, I'm gonna get this, I'm gonna get this one thing, I'm gonna buy it, and then I'm done, I'm out. Whereas women have a tendency to to you know, follow the links and go down this path. And they talked about, you know, women's eyes have a tendency to, to be a lot more um all over all over a web page you know when they're looking at things and all things are popping up and men, men's eyes have a tendency to be kind of more focused and um, you know it's, it's just like this linear thinking like i'm gonna come in i'm gonna buy that one thing in on amazon and i'm out <laughs> you know we, so anyways it was it, is, it was just i could see this correlation between eye movements uh, in relation to a web page and the and the movement in relation to uh, you know just the, between the Anyways, between the the two studies
0: here. so mm, though. Mm. that's interesting, you say that because i I remember uh, years and years ago, they, they talked about how, in these big shopping malls, they would tend to put men's stores on the periphery that you could get in and get out. And they would put women's stores in the interior of the periphery because they actually enjoyed going into the shopping malls and wandering around more, right? They knew that men wanted to go they want to go in get get what they wanted to get and get out of there, right? be efficient with it. but women actually wanted to go in and wander around in the shopping malls. so and that that's that's really this is a great point because this is gonna as we're thinking about this when we start to talk about the uh, the uh, spiritual foundations or the the biblical foundations of manhood and womanhood, we're going to, this is going to tie right back in, you're going to see how this the whole creation story kind of links right up with some of these scientific studies. Another interesting thing is that uh, the male brain is uh, navigates from the hippocampus. And which which is kind of like, uh, and maybe Michael, you've heard of this idea of dead reckoning. But there is a, there is a, there is a that actually men, we want to actually, we almost like want to sense or feel the magnetic fields, and there, there's been some studies that show that the man's brain tries to access the magnetic fields to determine where we are. And it, and the hippocampus is a, is, uh, is down inside of the base of the brain and considered to be one of the ancient parts of the brain. Whereas the female brain navigates from the cerebral cortex, which is of memory, right? So it's really interesting because um, uh, that's how this, there's this whole story about how the man does not want to stop and get directions, right? But the woman, the the wife says, stop and get directions. And the man said, I've got this. I can feel where I am. You know, I don't need directions. I can get to where I'm going. But it's kind of interesting. Uh Growing up, so as as we, we have, as we grow, like at puberty, this is interesting. Girls tend to be six years advanced in language than their male counterparts. The use of language, hmm. and also at puberty, boys are about five years advanced in mathematics. Now you fathers, you you might have seen, seen some of this, this, right?
2: Yeah, I would say that that you know, looking specifically with my my daughter, she um, you know she picked up speaking, um, really really young. She was uh, she would pick up on words, and there were times she would say things, and we'd just be like, "Wow, like how do you how do you know how to say say some of these words?" It was really complex. Whereas my son, on the other hand, it took him a lot longer. Um, to really like verbalize, you know, what he was, you know, what he was feeling or assemble sentences. And uh, there's definitely a distinct difference that, uh, that we, you know, we witnessed raising the both of them.
4: Yeah. Same. I ask my kids, are you sure? And my son just got it. I mean, just got it this year, man. Like, are you sure? And he's, <laughs> He'll tell me, yes. I'll be like, are you sure? And he's like, no. (laughs) I don't think we're on the same page here.
0: (laughs) So a a really great study came out of the University of Pennsylvania Medical School. So uh, uh, the state where Bob comes from. And uh, I just find this study really amazing. And uh, this... uh, uh, they concluded so they did all these mri studies of male and female brains and they they ones that they they actually found how the the male brain tends to work be working laterally up and down either one hemisphere or the next and also the connection with the with the female brain how it's got this bigger corpus callosum that's communicating back and forth more easily but they ended up concluding that their studies showed that the female brain was wired for communication between the analytical and the intuitive. And the male brain was wired for uh, perception to coordinated action. I'm going to take that part just a little bit. But the conclusion was they, they, they said it almost appeared that the, the female creature and the male human creature had been designed that way to be complementary because brains built like this are actually complementary to one another. And I want to think about that a little bit because I had to scratch my head and read this again and again. So the female brain is wired for communication between the analytical and the intuitive so the female brain can kind of sense let's say something needs to be done something needs to be done and then the female brain could say it needs some kind of analytical solution so i'm kind of thinking about the ancient the ancient peoples right when we were Uh, we may have been in the Indus Valley and the, the river was, let's say the river, the Creek and this fertile Valley was, uh, had, had through, through thousands of years had started to move and it was maybe a few hundred yards away. And the people in the village were like carrying water to water the gardens in buckets or, or, uh, uh, vases. And then some lady said wouldn't it be nice if that river was moved back over so it was really close to where we're doing all the farming and some guy thinks yeah we'll call it a canal I know exactly how to do that so that's that's sort of that idea so then the man's saying oh yeah perceived I'm perceiving a problem The females brought it to our attention. I'm perceiving the problem. Here's the critical path, coordinated action of how to get to that point that we can satisfy that need. Right. So great, great story about that. The complementarity of male and female. Shown by brain science, which is really phenomenal. It's like and that conclusion, which was great when I read it in that at the uh, conclusion, the summary in that report, it just appears that the male and female were almost designed to be complementary, like that. But they they said that uh, it was evolution that moved them to- towards this co- complementarity. Any thoughts, gentlemen?
2: Hey, I was just thinking about that that last statement you were making there. Um, that you know, evolution maybe drove the necessity for uh, male and female to be complementary to each other where, you know <laughs> um, you think that maybe men had gone all along um, and they had developed a particular perception of the world and a way of processing the world around them. And, and just going back to the, the earlier slide where you say like Adam was around, you know, at least 25,000, 50,000 years before Eve. Um, had, you know, during that time, he had developed a certain means or a certain way of, of, you know, living in the world or see, perceiving the world. Um, and then here comes, here comes Eve with a totally different, with a totally different approach or a totally different way of thinking about um, the world around them. And so, how does, you know, how did that, how does this interaction play out?
4: Mm-hmm.
2: Um, and how do they, you know, ultimately come together to, to appreciate and understand? the uniqueness of their, you know, of their approaches or their thoughts of how to exist together Mm -hmm. in nature.
0: Yeah. Where they're really helping each other out. Yeah. 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 It's, it's, it's it's pretty neat how that, uh, that can happen does happen. You know, how, you know, it's kind of like that, that stunning revelation that Adam makes. This is, Finally, this is bone of my bone and flesh of my flesh. You know, it's mm-hmm. like, uh, yeah. Yeah. Another uh, scientific data point about the difference, and this, is, this one's been argued about a whole bunch, uh, but in general, uh, in, the, in the mammalian world, if you even say outside of, of, of uh, the human race, there's this thing called the greater male variability hypothesis which means that if we take, let's just take IQ, for instance, male IQ versus uh, female IQ, the, the male, males tend to be overrepresented on the low side of IQ, and they tend to be overrepresented on the high side of male IQ or of IQ, whereas women tend to be just the opposite. They, they tend to be higher in representation on the average and then lower in, the, uh, lower in the, uh, the low IQ and then lower in the higher IQ as well. And this is one of those studies that has really made a lot of feminists extremely angry. Because it kind of, once again, it points to a, a fundamental difference between male and female. And uh, just as recent as a couple of years ago, I read a study where uh, that uh, one guy got this paper removed from a scientific journal. He got canceled out of it because he had all this data that was kind of proving these points. And it was a politically incorrect thing. So they blocked his paper from being published not allowed to do that right don't we don't like that outcome so we're going to get rid of it but uh, mm. but that's that's another that's another this difference between the male and the female so we tend to be dumber or smarter right and maybe a combination of both so well i mean is that i mean, it's like i think of leonard Sachs,
5: right His book uh, uh why gender matters right and oh okay yeah, I mean, and you know how he talks about, you know, a lot of times it comes down to how how each of the sexes were were educated, right? And and he just talks about the education system that you know. He, I mean, he even talks about how women could be better in mathematics, but it just it, you know it often depends on who the teacher is, and and vice versa with the boys. If the boys are te- being taught by a woman, and how you know, anyways, all those things about how if a boy is sitting in the back, which your boys are inclined to in a classroom. Anyways, I thought his his book, Why Gender Matters, kind of added some additional points to like, okay, why could say something like this, like this graph could be maybe slightly skewed, or, or is it dated, you know, based on, you know, what would that look like today? You know, you know, what was, you know, so my question is like, what's the date on this per se? You know, what does that look like, you know, compared to like 50 years ago, right? I mean, not that the, not that the educational model of the public schools changed a whole lot, but you know, there's been a, or it's even adjusted for male-female differences, right? It's just Mm -hmm. been,
1: well, I think yeah it' be a- interesting to look at other things that is that the male variability like what if you took um, like running or you know weightlifting or different like tasks are men more spread out and we were talking about the distribution curve last week is it more like extremes and is is for women is it more closer in the middle and less you know distributed?
0: that's a good question and I and i and I don't know the answer off the bat about that but I think this is is beyond just IQ right so there are several uh things there's several uh, uh, data sets that would would say maybe physical physical and intellectual or th- that could test this out and I think that's that's what it that's what it shows there's different uh, like say acceptability, susceptibility to, to disease, maybe, right? Things like that that could be like this as well. And, and so I think there are a number of different things besides the intellectual components. There's a lot of physical components that add into this greater male variability hypothesis, which does seem to have proven out biologically with mammals, So it's not doesn't seem to be politically incorrect to talk about this kind of uh, finding as long as you're not talking about human beings for some reason.
4: It's funny how much science backs all this up and then just the the feelings of everyone like that guy got canceled because they got mad about it, you know, how much we ignore truth because the way we feel is so much more important, you know, we Trust the science,
1: except, unless I don't feel like trusting it.
4: Yeah. Yeah. It's only blue when I say so. So stop it, Bob. <laughs> <laughs> it's only Bob. If I, or blue, if I pick.
0: So, but yeah, for sure. Like I think what Michael was saying, there's the education environment's been changed a lot. And certainly that's yeah. going to affect different people. And, uh, but yeah, that's that's an interesting thing. We'll t- maybe talk about that in re- response to some other things. But uh, kind of tongue-in-cheek there, if you look at the differences of diseases, like gallstones tend to be predominantly women, strokes for men, migraine headaches, women. I mean, it's not that – obviously, I've had a migraine headache before, right? Men have migraine headaches, but it's kind of a – think about this as like 60-40, right? So. Uh, irritable bowel syndrome, probably 60% women, uh, 40% men. Uh, at the same time, collect, uh, col- colorectal cancer, 60% men, 40% women. And down there to the bottom, well, like an- anorexia nervosa tends to be a, a female disease, psychological disease, and ADHD tends to be a male disease, right? That tends to be, uh, and of course... Of course now this this kind of thing has changed since I started talking about this but there are no men dying from ovarian cancer. We can all agree on that, right? And there are no females dying from testicular cancer. We all <laughs> know that, right? So there's no no argument on those about those particular things. So amen. <laughs> now, that gets us into this the uh the athletic differences. So, and, and last uh, week and maybe, uh, you know, back in October, I kind of talked about uh, finding out this difference between, uh, you know, the athletic difference between male and female. And so one of the questions across the bottom there, you'll see a number of uh, competitive sports, let's say. So the first one was say putting the second one would be billiards, swimming, running, pole vault, and shot put. Which one of those men can women do better than men? The thing is pole vaulting.
4: <laughs>
0: I feel like this
2: is a loaded question.
0: <laughs> and the gun's pointing right back at you, right? <laughs> so... It's a trick questions because none of those, (laughs) and it's like, and it's kind of has to do with this. So once again, this male telos in uh, the way that the male body works in general, like male, the male brain in the body is better at proprioception, and that's the understanding of where our bodies are in space, right? So that answers the problem with pole vault. Now pole vaults uh, definitely men probably pull vault 20% higher than women. Something like that. Running and swimming, probably 10% better. You see where that, that uh, transgender swimmer from ice oh, from Pennsylvania, I too think, right? So he had to go back to, didn't he have to go back to swim on the male's team? Now he's not winning any of the races or one oh, of those. Yeah. Yeah.
1: yeah. Well, there's also a flip. There's a woman that transitioned and, she's now swimming in the male races and getting clobbered because oh
0: wow yeah well you know so men would like not care right okay yeah go ahead line up <laughs> get yeah. in a race i don't care you know it's like you know the tragedy is that of men taking over women's races that's got to be something we got to stop but yeah so the pole vault as you go up there like it tends that the pole vault men are about 20% shot put and those physical, like the discus throw and the javelin. If you account for, especially with the shot put, the men's shot put is almost twice as heavy as a woman's shot put. And if you account for that weight, men are actually throwing the shot put twice as far as women are. So it's not like 20% more. It's like a hundred percent more. So this is what, um, this is what the science shows. And if you, Go to uh, a great internet site it's called boysversuswomen.com. If you haven't looked at this yet, it's a it's a it's a statistics of the greater uh, the, the the best of boy high school boys athletes compared to the best Olympic women in the world. The results and what you'll find there is just about every one of the, uh, events, the boys are, you know, the first five places are going to be taken by 17 year old boys, 17, 18 year old boys. So even in the, the, the top notch Olympic women, the only one that that's not true with, which is kind of interesting is, um, the marathon. Hmm.
5: Yeah. The 5,000 meter race. I think it's a well, three miler. Yeah. A lot of the endurance races, women have a tendency to do better.
1: Yeah. So yeah. if you get into that, like ultras those 50 and hundred milers, it, it gets, I think as you increase the distance over time, it, it's they do start to the gap narrows?
5: Yeah. What's interesting. Uh, I read a recent book, um, called testosterone, uh, by a Harvard professor of uh, biology evolution. Um, I think I brought this up to you before, uh, John, but what's interesting, you yeah, know, she got a lot of fire for the book, you know, and, uh, and she just lays it out. It's like testosterone is everything, you know, and it, it affects us. And, uh, and so many different ways, right. From, from the beginning of, you know, from the very beginning of conception to, um, you know, not conception, but a little bit further, right. <laughs> but, uh, all the way through and just continues to talk about, and she's like, she made a pretty good, I thought she made a pretty good case. And she lays out a lot of things you, you do in terms of, you know, the curve and, uh, everything. I mean, and, a lot of the same graphs. So she got a lot of flack, but she's been standing grass like, no, this is a science, man. The testosterone is is the difference when it comes to I mean, never never mind some of the other factors, but she's just making the argument from testosterone and saying that that does so much to the human body. Um but anyways, yeah,
2: this is a good book. What what I thought was interesting about that that site, John, that you referenced there is just looking at the age of the of the high school boys. And at what age do they start to, uh, pass the Olympic, um, record female records. And it, it looks like it's primarily around the age of 14 to 15 years old. Yeah. It's pretty, to happen. it's pretty young.
0: Yeah. real young. Yeah, it is. Um, uh, and that's what, uh, yeah, I mean, it's, that's, that's why, you know, when I first started thinking about this was when I heard that, uh, that. Coach who used to coach the women's uh, uh, soccer United States soccer team basically say any good 15 year old boys traveling team can beat the world champion women's American women's soccer team, hmm. and it's true. That's who they play. They play 15 year old boys teams, and and they tend to try to play. You know, whenever you when you when whenever you're going to play a, a game, and you're going to you're going to basically, you know get honed in so you can play better. You're going to play somebody who's a little bit better than you, right? That's how you get better. So they tend to play 15 year old boys traveling teams and they tend to beat them. You know, I mean, the, the, young men beat the, the world champion women's teams and it's it, but it's that you're right. It's the physical body. It's the testosterone. It's just that it's the telos. It's the male telos again, right? It's the, it's so different. Something else, then, that uh, is part of this, and I don't have it as part of the slides here, but just to co- go into this, there's some, if we look at the cultural differences, lifestyle, career, and cultural differences between men and women, uh, kind of think about this, you know. And again, these are, in general, you might say in general, you 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 things are like this, but like with friendships, women tend to have a few intimate friends, men tend to have many infants intimate friends that's true with the women i know in my life right i mean i'm i'm looking right now I, every man here on the screen with me is a man that i would trust and i feel intimate with that i would go to any one of you and say hey brother i need i need your thoughts on something so that it'd be something i'd go to you to rely upon you to help get me straightened out about something perhaps right and there's probably there might be five times more of you. Right. So in general, we as men like gravitate towards large groups and that's, that kind of pulls over in the teams and competition. Like uh, uh, I know a young man who played four years of college football and never started a game. And he loved every minute of it because he was part of the team. And one of the problems that uh, they've had in trying to fulfill this equity drive they've been on between male and female scholarships is that women tend to like, if they're not starting, if they're not like considered that like they're going to be a starting member, they, they have, they have a hard time retaining women athletes like they like male athletes, just like, yeah, I'm, I'm great with this, right? I love to be part of the team. I don't have to be the quarterback. You know, I don't have to be the starting left guard. I just need to – I just want to participate.
2: It's all about the fraternity for those guys, right? Being around other guys, being a brother, helping to support the team. They all win together, you know?
1: Is it the – yeah, is there more of an acceptance of the hierarchy? Like, yeah, this is my role. I fit within this larger group. I don't – and I guess about Jordan Peterson a couple – uh, weeks or a m- few months ago about that first rule of like with the lobsters and just kind of saying like, yeah, I don't have to be the quarterback. I can be the third string lineman, but I'll be the best third string lineman I can.
0: Yeah. Yeah. And I'm going to make my team better being that guy. Yeah. Yeah. And that kind that kind of, you know, it's also, it's kind of interesting you say that because men like sports that are highly structured and competitive with win or lose outcomes it's like, if there's no winning and losing, what's the point? You know, it's, but, but women actually prefer like more fluid type of sports, right? They don't have to be so win lose, like, like we want them to be. Hmm. You know,
3: I think back to when you presented this maybe eight years ago to a men's group that I was part of and I think a lot of those men kind of left the room shaking their heads like they, did. this didn't really resonate with them. And then you look at eight years later at where we are, and I mean, it's statistics, right? These are facts. It's pretty hard to argue with that. And uh, you know, I think it's great that you pulled this together, and it's amazing that the uh, Holy Spirit led you down this path, so it's great stuff. And it's well, not a knock against women.
2: No, I and
3: mean, I love, you know, female competitors that are out there playing basketball or volleyball, um, track athletes. I mean, I know some fantastic female athletes uh, that are in, that are competing in a at a division one level right now with a, you know, top university, you know, a young lady who's a very, you know, energized, faith-filled young lady that's a fantastic sprinter. So it's not to knock them because, you know, we're all called to run the race. and, uh, and But I think it's good to put the facts out there just to see what that looks like.
0: Yeah. Well, yeah. So it's kind of interesting when, when I did first start talking about these things, a lot of times the response was just like this, Uh, a father who had both sons and daughters, when I was talking about these athletic differences, he looked at me and he was angry and he said, why is it you don't want women to play sports? That's how he received the information. I said, I think women should play sports. But it's interesting that now having this information is so much more important because we have this whole crazy transgender thing going on. Women need to have their own sports. They need to have their own restrooms, their own locker rooms. And we as men got to prevent this tragedy of happening where women's sports and their privacy has been taken away from them, right? I mean, this yeah. is, so that's why this information is important. We need to protect the ladies the, the women in our culture from that kind of insanity. It's gotta be it's gotta be done. So this kind of information is really helpful in that. And you're right, but 10 years ago nobody was thinking about this. Nobody would have thought this transgender thing was going to take off the insanity of that, right? So on the on the on the other side like the careers again this the STEM sciences, right? If you look at the hardcore STEM sciences I know five years ago, it was like 80% male, 20% female. And there's been an awful lot of push and pull to try to get that imbalance made differently. Right. I don't know if it, I don't know if it is like, obviously there are, there are female engineers who are really good engineers. But in general, men would rather work with things and women would tend to rather work with people. That's that's the kind of the general thing. Now, there is a you might call it a STEM science type of uh, career that women and, and, and it's been a career that hasn't been uh, publicized a lot. But to this today, it's probably running close to 60 to 80 percent women as opposed to men and it's naturally changed in favor of women through the years. Anybody want to take a guess of what that is?
5: Wait, are you talking about STEM in general or
0: No, I'm talking about a specific career path. And you might think of it as being like a medical career path and I don't mean nursing. Somebody that comes out the other end and you call them doctor. Hmm. veterinarian medicine veterinarian Mm -hmm. medicine i went i laura and i took our dogs to the vet here this past week there's six vet. there's there's a total of six veterinarians in this office there's one male five females and it's they've naturally gravitated into that and it's actually it's like it's a really you know, besides I like going to the dentist, even though I don't particularly like getting my teeth drilled, but I think a dentist is actually a, a fairly nice place to go. They kind of take care of you fast, get you in and out. And the and the vet's office is like, yeah, it's like a pleasant place to go, right? Because it's relational and everything, it's just really interesting that that particular career path for women opened up, and it wasn't one that you know. That at the same time, the um, the diversity, equity, and inclusion people are pounding on the women to become civil engineers, right, and structural engineers. You got to electrical engineers. You got to do this and this. But at the same time, women are moving into the areas that they that they'd actually rather be in, like veterinary and medicine.
3: Mm-hmm. You guys may notice my daughter is in her third year of medical school at Iowa State. And my son-in-law is in medical school with her. They say the smartest students that they work with are vet- are in the veterinarian school.
0: Interesting. Yeah.
3: Yeah, they really admire uh, the veterinarian school.
2: And okay. never gotta worry about a dog or a cat or any other animal complaining.
0: no but their people their their owners will that's for sure probably so one of the things i think we're gonna there's a number of different other things but uh, that i'd like to talk about like crime and addiction i mean it's like yeah we're us guys are like way over represented in the crime and addiction area video game addiction way over represented there uh There's a thing called the Scandinavian paradox that you can look up, and this is one of those things, again, as soon as this came out, the people on the left immediately tried to start changing the data sets to say, oh, that's not really what it meant, that's not really happened, but the Scandinavian paradox is a study of the Scandinavian countries who have, you know, through the years, you have probably heard if we could just be more like Denmark, if we could just be more like Sweden, you know, they have all these really great programs there. They have these really liberal programs, liberal countries and everything. And they, those are the countries that did, they, they took the path, the hardest path they could towards making everything equitable between men and women. They, they basically said, we're going to legislate male-female equality. And what's happened is just the opposite occurred. So to so where men are gravitating towards the, th- let's call it the thing work, and women are grav- gravitating even more so towards the people work more than any other countries on the face of the earth. So they've done all these things with the government controls to try to force men and women to like different stuff. And it's not working. It's, it's, it's backfired on them. The system has backfired on them. So it's really interesting. uh, If you look that up, the Scandinavian paradox. So, so that brings us to the end of our part three of the man cast on masculine spirituality and the feminine genius. And again, that was uh, a little dip into the scientific reasons why men and women are different. And next week, we're going to get into the biblical manhood and womanhood and talk about Genesis 1 and 2. And interpretations of the body of of the uh, theology of the body and things like that. And so keep these things in mind that we talked about tonight. Again, Wilderness Outreach will be holding our annual Carry the Cross, all men, fathers, and sons on Holy Saturday this coming year, which I think is April 9th just about ready to set up two fathers and sons weekends for March in the Hills of tar hollow. So I'm going to get those on the calendar here shortly. Uh, We'll be heading to, um, Oregon for the rogue river with the young men from the Newman center, Ohio state university in may into Wyoming in, um, Wyoming or somewhere on the front range it could be in Montana this year for the mid-July expedition and then heading into the high Sierra on the John Muir Trail again in August so keep an eye out for those Um, and uh, so I'm going to ask brother Michael if you would uh, say a prayer for us to send us off. Peter if you could take care of the music for us In the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit
5: Lord we thank you for for creating us we thank you for of, of our humanity and the gift of the of uh, of the mind of the, and the intellect to to explore these things, to understand them, to understand your creation and understand your design, so we can fulfill your your purpose and your and why we were created. That we may have a great appreciation for your for your your love um, that you you know that you have for us, and then we may have a greater love for you and 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 uh, living out this design and purpose. Yeah, in your holy name, we pray. Amen. Father said it was good.